shining a beacon on the bazaar. Back in. How's it going there? Not bad, not bad. A uh, little bit of an issue though, our kid. A well, little I, bit. Well, I noticed you're looking out the window there, peering out. What's happening? Well, mainland's gone. Has it's it? gone. Washed away or something. I don't know where oh, it is. Not again. Bloody hell. It's getting more frequent though, isn't it? You know what I mean? Every, yeah. you know, every couple of months it's just gone again. Well, that's the thing. problem you see. That's with, with changing tides, land mm. moving, things like this. It's it's shit. Everything's moving at the moment around the world, isn't it? Even um, Wales. Yeah, Wales. Earthquake in Wales. Mm. Earthquake. I must admit that. That could have set it off a little bit. It could have been. Maybe so, you see. I, I always imagine that I call the people in Turkey reading the news report of like uh, Wales' earthquake <laughs> yeah, and thinking, like, fuck off. Hey, <laughs> you were re reporting that. Yeah, fucking <laughs> reporting yeah. that. But yeah, but that's the issue we've got, you see, sometimes, is things do move around, things change, things shift. But luckily at Kraken Cove, we're quite lucky, see, because we are the strong anchor point to the it world. It is, isn't it? Yeah. We never go anywhere. Everything well, else does. Well, that's why That's why on the West Shore we've got the big winch. Yeah. Ah, I've got the big winch, so all I do now, you see, is like, I'll pop down later on, activate the big winch, and that'll haul mainland UK yeah, exactly. back towards if the coast. If Pete can find it, though, you've got to put Hook in his boat and then he goes sailing oh, off, doesn't he? Me, that's a point. Mm. Oh, take, um, take so and so, what was he, what's that big fatty called again that hangs Thor. around? Thor, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Send Thor. Take his wife for him. <laughs> <laughs> together they'll be alright, I bet. That, no, that's a dumb I, th deal. I think together, you see, yeah, I mean, yeah. Thor's pretty good at finding the UK, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe together we will. But I don't really like to leave Thor and uh, Robot Pete together. Not together. If they're working, they're alright. Leisure time. Ooh, no, 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 no. I know it's Thor's putting a bit of weight off that shrimp stick first. <laughs> 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 I think Pete's all blanks anyway, yeah. man. He's all cheese, isn't he yeah. now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the special brew comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because this is Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt. And I'm a Benny. So today we see we're going to be having a little look out towards mainland UK. Yes. All over the place though, to be honest. Ooh. We're having a nosy round. Again, we're having a bit of a freewheeling episode. Not a special one. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to have a look at a good few things. I like that. Gonna be, yeah, going to be shining the light around. Obviously we can't shine the light out onto the mainland because we can't see bloody exactly. things. Exactly. You know? But lots of sea. I like this sea. Well, that's it. We'll, we'll have a little bit of just shine it around, see what we can see. See what the light picks out. Mm. And these are the subjects we will cover. So for now, what we'll do is we'll send Robo on his little mission, go hook mm. out in the mainland, and perhaps we'll have a little look at some shifting sands and soil and earth or something. And oh, see sounds interesting. Yeah. Different, Arkin. Different. Yeah. So let's cast the light and do it as. So the first boat out of the harbour, our kid, of course it's going to be Robot Pete, he's yeah. gone already. So the second one out of the harbour, is this is a weird little story this, and you'll, you'll be able to sort of associate it with it a little bit, right? So this is a man on the Isle of Wight, and he's called George Gardiner. Nice. And he's got himself a little property in Lucombe, I think it's called Lucombe, not Lucombe. And that's yeah, on the Isle of Wight. Isle of Wight, that's it, you know what I mean? Issue he's had though, is it's 
he's landed, it's on the coastline, it's on the coast, right? It's starting to collapse into the sea. Oh, a bit of corrosion. Yeah, well, he's 82 year old, is old George Garden. That must but be sad, that, though. You've got yeah. your lovely, nice house by the sea and it's just getting washed away. So, and we'll, we, this is a little bit of a subject. A re, the reason we sort of took cover this is because this is a subject close to me and Benny's heart. Mm. It's because all our little holidays when we were kids, sort of thing, were at the east coast of England, you know. So right. it's like, and it's one of the fastest corroding uh, coastlines in the whole of the UK. Um, some even say perhaps one of those in the world. Is it? Yeah, because you could those, yeah. literally see it holiday by holiday, like fields disappearing. Yeah, well, well, weirdly enough, I thought it was interesting. We, we did mention, I think it was last week about sharks. We did mention about Will Self, the writer. Yes. And he did a wonderful walk around the entire coastline of Britain. Wow, yeah. And the reason he did it was because he knew by the time he finished the walk, where he'd walked before had already corroded into the sea. God. Nobody can do that walk ever again in the history of humanity. Wow. Which I thought was a very interesting yeah, concept. Yeah, you know? inspiring, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so when these things sort of corrode off into the into the water, you know what I mean, this land breaks up, it crumbles down, it's like a muddy clay soil sort of yeah, thing, yeah. you know, that off of that coastline. It's changing and dissolving into the sea all the time. Mm. Uh, but that's just nature, that's how things go, you know, yeah, we're always yeah. putting up concrete defences or seawalls and things like that, you know, to try and stop these things happening. I sort of say, just kind of let it go. Oh, your house though, I've been chucking out boulders in or something, just trying to do something. Yeah, I suppose we're quite fortunate here at, at the Cove, you see, because yeah. the Cove is a rock known as a rock lighthouse. It's, yeah. it's where we're actually on solid granite. Yeah. That's the rock we're on. So there's no washing of the way for thousands, if not millions of years. <laughs> you know? So we're safe as literally sea houses. <laughs> so, you know, but the, a lot of places which have been sort of like uh, built up on the coast. But the, it's, it's something about, I like the idea that there's something going it, to, it's not there forever. Yeah, I love that nature yeah. sort of takes away, you know. Yeah, true. But old uh, old George Gardner, uh, he decided to say, "Fuck it, I'm staying." Wow! So there's all these footage of him already, sort of like trying to get into his own house. He has to sort of clamber over all these collapsed <laughs> roads. Has to swim to his front door. Not far off. Oh, he's, God. You know, everything's a little bit of a tilt. There's been, he's had, I think it's been a break, broken pipe, so water's kind of eroded, got underneath everything. It's oh, eroded things, so it's sunk a bit. So the house is an absolute wreck. And he still could he just collapse on him then or what? Yeah, he could just go. I thought they'd do like arrest him or something. Can you imagine oh. sleeping on a night in it? Oh no. And oh. I, well, this is it. I think that's what they did do for a while. They just put barriers to a lot of other houses and they kind of uh, and just moved them somewhere else. Yeah. But George had decided to stay, and that's really the. I mean, there's not an awful lot more to the story than that. But Watch it's more this of, space. It's more it, really? space, but it, it's for me, it's more of a concept and it's something to discuss. Really, the idea of like say the ephemeral feeling of these things. I hear mm. one day gone the next you know what do we cling on to what do we leave because there's a famous hotel in Scarborough do you remember seeing that no there was a cliff top hotel in Scarborough I think it was in the eight, late 80s about 88 89 and there'd been a few big storms uh, and the uh, the cliff washed away and everyone realised oh shit tons more of the cliff had washed away Yeah. Uh, so everyone evicted from the hotel really quickly and we, everyone just basically watched from the shoreline as the entire hotel washed into the sea joking? yeah wow. big hotel yeah just collapsed wow that must have been a right sight yeah that's wow. it wow so it was it was big and it washed him but then again this this happens a lot you know all you have to do is look on YouTube or any of the you know, on the channels and see stuff and you'll see stuff washing into the sea it occurs quite like it with his age as well he's just like nah if it goes I'll go with it and it's yeah. like wow I mean it could be like almost like an aquatic version of up <laughs> down <laughs> yeah. he just sends it to a seaman yeah well that's it maybe if he just reinforce the floorboards and things yeah it just floats bit, off it just floats off 
would be quite good, really. I know that's what they've done in uh, Venice, haven't they? Put massive floats underneath uh, a lot oh, of the buildings. Right. Uh, huge air, air pockets. Or well, I don't know. I don't know what idea, the, whether yeah. it's just air or what gas they've used. Yeah, or something. Yeah. But basically, they've floated a lot of these amazing villas and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that the, as the water rises or sinks, it goes with it. Oh, fascinating. So that, I think that's a little bit interesting, you know. But are we clinging on to things that can never survive? Who knows? Yeah, it making it last like that, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an inspiring story. Watch yeah. his space. Oh, good luck to him. Good luck yeah. to him. <laughs> <laughs> he needs it. Yeah. Bless him. Here's a subject you brought up last week. Ooh. Now this fascinated me because there's not often there's a Benny can sort of bamboozle him <laughs> <Bring> out. <laughs> and just bamboozled me. I can't think well, I can't remember last week at all. <laughs> <laughs> you never can, huh? kid, like a goldfish. <laughs> what is it? If you remember you mentioned to me about the idea, you know, like the Belgian Congo. And the I was you... thinking the dance of <laughs> What dance? <laughs> the Congo. <laughs> I didn't talk about a dance last week. <laughs> the Belgium's doing it. <laughs> Shit. Wow, yes, the Congo, yeah. yeah. And the, the kids with the... Uh, Using them as alligator or crocodile. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Is it true? <laughs> it's true. Oh, the mucky bastards. So I've looked into this, and there's a deep, deep history of this occurring. A deep history? There's a deep history of this occurring, oh, so you're 100% right. And it's not just the Belgians. Right. So if if you haven't listened, actually what we do, we were talking about various bits and bats and bobs last week about sort of sharks and crocodiles yeah, and people yeah. being inhumane and terrible. And, and Ben mentioned the idea that there was a, in the Belgian Congo, in about the sort of 1900s and before, 1890s, 1900s, there was records of the Belgian occupiers, the colonists, using using African babies as bait to catch crocodiles or just to sort of feed to croc crocodiles for sport. Oh. I, can't remember, I can't remember which one was the subject you referred to. I just saw pictures of two toddlers, you know, with ropes around them you right. know I mean, in the Congo and they were they were the bait. You couldn't they see a croc yet, you know. It was like, right. oh shit. Right, well this is some, and I was absolutely sort of like bamboozled by this. I just thought, sort of thought bloody hell fire, you yeah, know, this yeah. is a bit serious, you know. So I thought we'll better have a look into it and it's true. Awful, but true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, what seemed to have occurred was that um, there was a presumption at the time that the crocodile or the crocodilian or saurian, as they called oh, it, then a saurian. So as in dinosaur, ah, you know. Okay. So it's like sort of like terrible lizard. Yeah, they yeah. they really saw them as a sort of like a as, as a, almost like a dinosaur reptile monster. Yeah, was yeah. their kind of reference? So they would call them saurians. And um, but really, obviously, dinosaurs, you know, any any of that kind of thing. And they thought or presumed that the crocodiles themselves preferred black people to eat. Wow. They thought they they saw they saw it as a natural occurrence that you know well they're not going to really go for white people because they're not used to eating white people. There was a school of thought that they preferred black madness, people. Absolutely, that was madness. their that was their sort of taste in things. Which is fucking terribly it racist. Is, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. just mad. 
But there was this time that at that time that it was a great time of or great or horrible time of presumptive thought. Yeah. People were sort of looking at things and questioning and wondering why is this happening? What, what what's that for? And you could just make any shit up, couldn't you? Really? You could. There was an awful lot of that mindset of just make any old shit up and yeah, it goes. Yeah. And people think, well, that's right then. Yeah, and it's, it, yeah, yeah, this is it. You know, we're in a little bit of this now if we're not careful because with the internet, people will sort of say things. Just, that, and they'll just believe it's straight away. Oh yeah, yeah, like, absolutely yeah. right. People, mm. but you can say something and, be, and it becomes. I mean, recently I was uh, talking yet again on the other subjects that I discuss quite a lot which is uh, stone carvings, yes. rocks and things yeah. like this and we were looking at a particular strange carving yeah. which was two triangular shapes on a slab of rock and this slab of rock was filled with rainwater. Yeah. And this commentator on Instagram was saying, look at this amazing carving at so-and-so site. It's absolutely wonderful. And when it's filled with rain, these carvings become wonderful sky mirrors. Uh, and it's like, it's whoa, 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 yeah. let's pump the brakes. Yeah, yeah. And now she said that on there, and I've seen other people referring to sky mirrors and all this sort of stuff, and I've looked at the sort of followed it along. And basically, it chances to see the stars and things like this through these reflected lights in, yeah. in water. Yes, it could be true. Yeah. Possibly. We don't know that. Could be for blood. Could be for, it could be for blood. It could be for, I don't know, herbs. Yeah, it yeah. could be something to feed birds from. Yes. We yeah, yeah. do not fully yeah, know. Yeah. So to presume this and jump to these conclusions. Uh, I mean, I, I read an amazing book. It's like the history of uh, adult church. Um, All right. it, it's an amazing book. Written about 1880 by a vicar. Huh? And I've, it's one of the few books of that age. you read. Where do you get it? I don't understand the old bullshit. I love reading, but you read some shit, you do. You really do. If you saw my book pile at the moment, it's like... It's so bizarre. Well, well, maybe we'll have a little talk about books in a minute. Yes, yeah. yes. But, um... But this particular book was amazing because this vicar basically just completely went off on one yeah. about presumption of what certain carved rocks in the local area were for. And he conjured up these amazing scenes of blood sacrifice. Wow. Scenes very similar to King Kong, you know, where they're all Look, drumming and running about. You know what he's about. spanking yeah, over, yeah, don't yeah. you, dirty vicar? Oh, he's, he's just oh, yeah, very much. So. Yeah, well, that's why he was basically coming to his game very... Um, yeah, they're all naked. Well, it's <laughs> devil worship was his thing, right. and that was his thing. Where uh, you'll find a lot of your, your hell, hellfire and brimstone vicars and, yeah. and preachers discussing things of like devil worship because it's so very real to them mentally. Yeah. Um, but it's thrilling. Yes, it's yeah, incredibly yeah. thrilling. The, the forbidden idea. fruit in it for yeah, him. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So he's talking about these horrible scenes, and you're thinking. Yeah, as in you said, steady on, steady. <laughs> Little temple there. Yeah. He got it. too giddy. Yeah. It? Yes, I think it's Simpson, George Simpson, I think it's called. Reverend Simpson, he wrote this book. And it's, it's, it's astonishing. Yeah. But he did do some great archaeological work in the things he did uncover and find. Yeah, he just got um, too giddy with his fantasy. Yeah. And, and I actually got very uh, a weird opportunity I did get to go to Adult Church myself. Oh, right, yeah. With... Um, some Scandinavian archaeologists. <laughs> <laughs> when did you making this shit? Oh, when did you do that? I have photographic proof of it. Yeah. <laughs> is it a nice? Is it an old church? Oh, it's insanely good. We, is uh, it? We're gonna do a, a, a field trip to Krakenhead. We always is. Yeah. And never do it. Let's actually do it. We're gonna do this. Well, it's only it's only, it's only sort of like five miles down the road. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, I'm well up for it's that. surrounded by the most insane 
uh, carved heads you'll ever see. Ooh. There's Neolithic remains in the grounds of it. Oh, fantastic. Uh, the, uh, um, it's such an ancient church, and, and the history around it is astonishing. Yeah, Things yeah, we've yeah. uncovered about this church is, is amazing. Wow. But yeah. while I was there, these uh, um, Scandinavian archaeologists were there, and they believed they'd found, or I was invited to go with them as it yeah. happens. They'd found some of the original beams from about 1200, yeah. so, so you know, sort of like 11th century sort of beams, wow. sort of in this in the roof, and they were carved in a Scandinavian style. Yeah, and that's what he was really interested by. Why is this carving of yeah, this style yeah. in this particular? Did church? he find out anything? He's working on it now. He's still yeah, working yeah. on the on the idea. But we, we got to look into an ancient barn that was attached to it as well. Wow. And what I found incredibly interesting was he got super excited because one of the archaeologists there said, "Look, look what I found." One of the beams up in the cellar, yeah. uh, up in the attic, sorry, uh, was burned. Right. There's yeah. burn marks on the beams. Mm. And he started photographing it like mad. I said, Well, why are you photographing that? And he says, Oh, well, these burn marks were done almost to ward off fire. So once right. they've actually fitted them in, because it looked like somebody just held a cigarette lighter to this beam, yeah, and I yeah. thought that's what somebody had done at some point. Because yeah, yeah. no, no, this was done when it was the carpenters had been in, everything was finished. By casting a flame across the beams, almost like warded off any fire spirits or potential for burning in yeah, future, yeah. and it almost proved to the owner of the barn. Then look, we have we have tested it for fire, and yeah, the whole yeah. thing hasn't gone up. Wow! Yeah, yeah. we're that confident with it, and it's exactly. that sod's law in it, knock on wood type of thing. Give it a bit of fire, now it gets yeah, rid of it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, oh, that's so, so 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 that as a roundabout way of saying what we're what we're discussing there is the fact that you know you come up with an unfound rumor straight away, like uh, uh, the Reverend Simpson did about yeah. you know blood bathing maniacs <laughs> leaping around on the moors of the Yorkshire, you know, and and claiming this sky mirrors. If you come up with an unfound theory nowadays, it can just run and run yeah, and run. Yeah. You've got to be very, very careful. As such, very same in, in, in Africa and America and India at the time, these presumptive ideas that, you know, well, what because do... we're on about crocodiles, how are they? Yeah. What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> oh, we, we, we wheel around, our kid. We wheel around. We get around. And as such... There was a presumption, an idea that the crocodiles or the saurians yeah. had a taste for darker meat, as it were. Wow. Yeah. And which is, as you say, completely insane. So, where do we go to? We read in the Richmond Dispatch and the Record Union newspapers, respectively, from July and September 1894. So, this is a story which wow. was in both newspapers. How British sportsmen hunt crocodiles in India. Oh God! We used to have a great sport in India, going out after crocodiles with Hindu babies as bait. <laughs> oh, the fucking sick bastard! Yeah, he mentions that native women will flock to rent their babies oh. for six cents per day, and some would not even insist on a guarantee of their safe return. Oh wow! Yeah, and that some crocodiles did in fact get away with the bait. The officer claimed to have shot more than 100 crocodiles using just one baby girl as bait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a baby girl? This is it. This was the, the method they used. Oh, they, did they have it on? Because I saw rope round them, but they were like on a riverbank, like in a bit of a hollowed 
area on a riverbank, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking like the, you know, the crocs are coming up and then they're shooting them when they before That's they get actually there. Actually, what was occurring? Yeah, so it's like a rope and fishing with the baby. They weren't I mean? fishing with the baby. What what they said was that they'd, they'd in popular accounts, time and time again, I've read quite a lot of accounts. I won't cover them all word for word here. But what they were basically saying was that they'd, they'd see crocodiles about listlessly, sort of like sitting in the uh, in the rivers and things, yeah. and they couldn't find any way to actually sort of like tempt the crocodiles yeah. out of the water. They were told by natives yeah. to say like, oh, well, I'll tell you something that really tempts a crocodile out of the a water. A nice baby. A nice fat baby. <laughs> the fatter the better. <laughs> oh, my Because God. a crocodile is a sight predator. Right. So, the, yeah, because it's a sight predator, it will literally be looking out onto the shore to see if there's anything to just interest it. Saving it, and yeah. you just laid their way. And as a lot of these hunters did realise as well, that, yes, you can shoot a crocodile in the water. Yeah. That's not what they wanted. These hunters as well... They wanted the crocodile leather. Right. That's what they're after. A lot of the hunters at the time, especially in, in places particularly like uh, Africa and India. India is a lot more sport hunting. Yeah. Uh, Africa, they were hunting for uh, uh, to get the crocodile for handbags and shoes. God. That was the predominant thing. They were hunting crocodiles for handbags and shoes after crocodile leather. Immensely important and Im well at the time and very very valuable resource. And what wasn't a valuable resource at that time was black babies. Oh my! They were God. cheap and plentiful to well, these. Mother's nearly giving them away. Yeah, gives a bit of cash. Yeah, yeah. if you don't bring her back, it's all right. Well, think of the mindset of the of the hunters. The hunters are just saying, "Oh, well, it's all fine." They yeah. don't realise what they're faced with. There is absolute crashing poverty and starvation yeah, yeah. of the local population, where six cents is more important than the baby, which they'd have to How feed. You know, you, doing that, you're going to see a baby getting eaten by a crocodile. How do you go to bed that night after seeing a... They oh my God. honestly did not care tuppence. Oh, man, and we'll cover this a little bit. This yeah. is something they'll say. So it's like, this is from the, uh, the Kilmore Free Press, which is June 1911, right? And this is a, a, a headline from a newspaper called The Baby and the Crocodile. And it says, a sailor who spent some time in Ceylon asserts that the Singalese mothers regularly hire out their babies as crocodile bait. These are his words. Baby bait is the only thing for crocodiles and everyone uses it. <laughs> baby bait? Baby bait? <laughs> I'm going to bag a baby bait. Yeah. You rent a baby down there for two shillings a day. Of course, the thing isn't cruel as it sounds. No harm ever comes to the babies or else the mothers wouldn't rent them out. The babies are simply set on the soft mud bank of a crocodile stream, and the hunter lies hid near them, a sure protection. The crocodile is lazy. He basks in the sun in midstream. Nothing will draw him to the shore where he can, we can pot him, right? But set a little fat naked baby yeah. on the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm hearing these. Yeah. <laughs> Set a little fat naked baby on the bank and the crocodile soon rises up. In he comes, a greedy look in his dull eyes. And then you open fire. Some Congolese women make as much as eight shillings a week out of renting their babies for bait. Jesus. A little fat naked baby? Yes. Oh, how can you even write those words? And this is from the Roanoke Times of 1890, right? Oh, wow. And this is titled Babies for Crocodile Bait. 
Babies wanted for crocodile bait will be returned alive, says a Ceylon paper. If newspapers abounded in Ceylon as much as crocodiles do, advertisements worded like the foregoing would be common in their wanted columns. As it is, the English crocodile hunter pays to secure his baby by personal solicitation. He is often successful, for Ceylon parents, as a rule, have unbounded confidence in the hunters and will rent their babies out to be used as crocodile bait <laughs> for a small consideration. Ceylon crocodiles suffer greatly from ennui, which means they're lazy and sluggish. All right. They prefer to lie quite still, soothed by the sun's glittering rays, and while away their lazy lives in meditation. But when a dark brown infant with curling toes sits on a bank and blinks at them, they throw off their cloak of laziness and make their preparations for a delicate morsel of Selenese humanity. <laughs> when the crocodile gets about halfway up the bank, the hunters concealed behind some reeds open fire, and the hungry crocodile has his appetite and life taken away at the same time. The baby being brought home safely to its loving mama. Oh yeah, fucking all safe. Imagine that South Bank all day, nud, and crocodiles creeping up on you, then someone is blowing its brains out all day long. Then he's going, he's unharmed, look, he's still got his legs and stuff. Sweet dreams, little baby. Fucking hell, crazy bastard. mad, innit? Yeah, I've got a crazy one on. Oh man, this is crazy. Right, in Second World War in Burma, the yeah. Japanese are proper holding the mangrove swamps or something. There's yeah. fucking hundreds of thousands of them, and they're doing really well. They pushed Britain out. We, we, we got us ass spanked and we ran off, you know yeah. what I mean? And they're just entrenched in this mango swamp and they're just living off the land, eating everything in Japanese, you know what yeah. I mean? They're just complete, like, locusts. We regroup. <laughs> Bit racist. <laughs> <laughs> right, just like any yeah, army, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, any army's going to eat everything that's around them, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, so any kind of wildlife, they're just bloody cooking every night. English regroup, you know what I mean? And we suddenly turn the offensive and start pushing them really quickly back. Yeah. They turn tail like, oh my God, we've blown it. Run, boys, run. Well, the Japanese do. The Japanese yeah. do, straight back into the mango swamps. But what they hadn't realised that they've been eating everything in there. All the crocodiles have been going hungry. Oh, really? In one day, 1,000 Japanese get eaten. Really? The noise was supposed to be the most worst noise in the world. It would just crack, you know, chase and crack, pop, bam, bam, bam. And then just oh, uh, you see monsters yeah, on the hunt. Yeah, just literally this screaming, whirling. <laughs> oh, I need to look at that. Yeah, it's bad, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really it. good story. Like, that that reminds me a little bit of like the uh, the Roman legion that were hunted by the Vikings, kind oh, of right. into into a forest. And this this massive legion went into a forest and never came out. Wow. Maybe that'll maybe quite a good little subject. Ooh, that, yeah. yeah. Missing troops, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Down, just yeah. a, it's the scale of it, but it's suddenly not against humans. You know, it's against yeah. monsters, isn't it? It's like yeah. wow. It's, again, a little. Bit like the Vietnamese rockets, yeah, 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 yeah a bit definitely. like that, you know. Fascinating, but, but yeah, but it's it's. Uh, I will. I'm I'm gonna look into that. Yeah. It's a good little uh, yeah, another little Benny tidbit. Hey, yeah. Get a bit, get a bit of fat telly. <laughs> well, I didn't realise Columbo covered that. <laughs> Deleted scenes, our kid. The Vietnamese were in there. <laughs> they were there. Japanese were in there. <laughs> but the thing is, so uh, this happened time and time again throughout Africa, mm. throughout uh, India, throughout Ceylon, all these places. Wherever you found yourself were needing sort of uh, um, 
baby bait. Uh, baby. <laughs> well, needing alligators or yeah, needing yeah. crocodiles, there went babies. Wow. But there was like in a newspaper report from the Washington Times in 1908, right? Yeah. So we're getting in a little bit more sort of almost like a living memory yeah, kind of thing yeah. in 1908. You know, it's like, you know... And what they're saying is that in the, uh, the New York Zoological Gardens, they had a, a large sort of... Um, crocodile and, or alligator kind of exhibition in there. They put all the alligators, crocodiles all together, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like they put them all in, into one sort of thing. But all the people coming out and have a little look, you know what I mean? Seeing yeah. Big complaint was, well, in this big enclosure, we can't see them. Ah, because what do alligators They're sun. all basking in the sun, they're all ah. sort of like underwater, they're all basking. Oh, bring out the brown babies. What they didn't realise, they'd heard about the rumour oh. this would work. They'd heard about this rumour that this would work. Thinking, well, what is it? The, the, everyone's discussion, they're all in, in bother. They're all thinking, shit, we've got this amazing exhibition. We want to show yeah. off people. We're getting nothing but complaints. What the hell can we do? <laughs> so on this particular date, next thing you know, they chucked two children, two black children, into the enclosure. Toddlers. Oh god. They hadn't quite got it right. They had no hunters. Oh my god. They had nothing like this. They just thought we need a couple of black babies from us. Wherever they got them from, they managed to procure oh, two black god. children, little babies. Lobbed we... them in the enclosure to see what would occur. Oh. And god. so for the next few hours, the spectators had a wonderful sight of these two small black children. Getting chased by all them crocs. Yes, by about 25 crocodiles. Oh, chasing around these kids and running around avoiding them, jumping over them, getting all oh, over the place. Jesus. Can you fucking imagine no, this? Like it is a nightmare, isn't it? That is like an absolute stinking the nightmare. The crowds were loving it. They oh. were whistling, laughing, applauding. Oh, Yay! We're falling over! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. All they saw was absolute sport. It was like something from the Roman Coliseum. Did right. they get eaten? No, they got away. Oh, thank God. These two, but can you imagine how scarred those poor oh, kids are now? Oh, my God. And See nothing... you tomorrow, kids. <laughs> <laughs> two shillings off your pop. Oh, you know? wow. This was seen as nothing unusual. As far as they were concerned, this was seen as nothing unusual, right? And there was, a British, uh, there was an American uh, baseball player called Bob Gibson. And he said the inhabitants of Georgia used... African American babies as alligator bait when you know it, it yeah. was in 1968. Oh my god! All the time up to uh, this, this time they were using the alligator bait all the way through in these these in weird the places 60s. in the 60s. This was being done. Oh, what back in Congo and like that weird middle of nowhere places all. Oh no, America, Georgia. <laughs> Oh, the deep south of America. Shit. The deep south of America. When they were alligator hunting, they were still procuring somehow African American toddlers oh, and God, using them in this exact sick. same method as bait. Oh. Tie a little rope round them. Little n nudie, wriggly baby on the bank. Little fat with the, naked baby. Again. Yeah, waiting with a rifle for the, the alligator to come slide out to take the bait and oh, shoot it. Oh God! Can you imagine? I can't, my eyes sick. It's absolutely. We've been close to them, crocodiles. What? Of I mean, course I've not. What do you no, mean? I've, I went to a zoo once. No, no, I went to a crocodile farm once. And, okay. And you're like this. You were like him fucking live and let die, man. You know? <laughs> 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 well, like, you were like teleharking. Yeah. You know? But it were real and you could smell it and it smelt really bad. I mean, really yeah. bad. Uh, and you're right, they're all... 
it was like basically this wooden structure that you walk around on, you know, like gangways and stuff like yeah, that, with yeah. little huts, and you could stand in the hut and you could buy like dirty, like off chicken off this scabby bloke and throw it at him. I mean, I was like hung over anywhere, it was bright <laughs> as, as per. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like wheezing up, thinking, God, them crocs stink, you know. And I thought, wooden structure's not right good, you know what I mean? Yeah. God, if your leg went through, they're right underneath you, the proper club. Yeah. And I mean, there are hundreds of them, they're all big fat crocodiles, all <laughs> lolling around in sun and that. And then you throw a bit of chicken and they're all after it, aren't they? You've never yeah. seen them move so fast. They're all rolling around. and in rotten chicken. All rotten chicken and smell and that. Oh, my, it were horrible. Absolutely <laughs> horrible. But you, that feel, that vertigo feeling were really weird. You yeah. just thought, if I fell here, what the? Oh, just the death. All your arms getting ripped oh, off and all worst. that. Oh, man, no. It's the, the, the dirty smell. Well, weirdly thing. enough, do you know, like, in that same... And what people might not know, there's a, there's a movie, a, a, Bond, a James Bond movie. with, uh, with <laughs> Live and let die. <laughs> one of the best ever of the Bond types. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... Um, it was it was a uh, it was one of the uh, Roger Moore. I love Roger Moore so much. I love him. They always said with him, well, we could always co- we could almost cover Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of tales. R- Roger Moore uh, was uh, was James Bond. Uh, was one of the James Bond actors, and he was always seen as a little bit stiff as James Bond. Yeah. But you know, he had this white safari suit and this <laughs> lovely uh, tan, deep deep mahogany tan. And he was uh, it, it, everyone said the only acting he ever really did was lift one eyebrow. Exactly, wasn't it? Yeah. that's all he needed. Yeah, one eyebrow. That's it. So he just had this sort of very staid British way of <laughs> describing things. <laughs> And that's and that's the only thing he ever used to do. And I yeah. quite like it. I've I, warmed I'm really to him. Yeah. Because he's this suave Englishman, nobody really thought much about him. But he was reputed to have the hardest punch in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And he could drink. Yeah, it was he a good drink. Really it was boozy. Drink. It was a bit of a party. But it was because he was suave, he got away with it. But all these sort of like your typical Hollywood, a lot of the British Hollywood sort of yeah. hard men and carousers and big boozers like your Oliver Reeds and stuff like that. Um, they they always sort of like uh, underestimated yeah, him, yeah. And, and, he, and, and they'd get a crack off him, and they knew they'd had a crack <laughs> off him. It's like the Lee Marvin story. Isn't yeah, it? Oh, we'll cover that later. On, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll cover that later. But uh, but thing is there that there was this one scene. It was an alligator farm in the deep south of America. And there was one of the stunts was to have this sort of row of alligators, and, yeah. and Roger Moore went running over these alligators to get away. <laughs> and do you know how that stunt was done? No, because it does look bloody real. You know what I mean? It was real. Oh, tell me that was Snodge doing it. it can't no, be it wasn't. It wasn't he Roger Moore doing yeah, it. No, he it was a stunt without a stunt. It was a stuntman doing it. So basically, what it was, there was like one piece of land. There was like a little river or stream that had to be crossed or something yeah. like that. They were on an island and it was surrounded by water and all crocs were coming on. Yeah, that were it. And there was a row, basically a row of crocodiles all in a row. And and Roger Moore ran across from one foot to another <laughs> sort of thing. He ran across these crocodiles' backs as they all snapped yeah and, uh, and God, got, that's real and it's real they tied them up or something they're all no what they just lined the crocodiles up by baiting them into one area waiting until they're real, all like in a row and this guy just fucking went for it jesus <laughs> i tell you what you know the stuntmen back there were proper bat hard. shit yeah, yeah proper absolutely batshit yeah. wow that's right you know that's incredible <laughs> that seems mental you think that doesn't happen in real life actually it does it does <laughs> this is it you know <laughs> crazy absolutely terrifying oh, that's it. yeah yeah like that. 
but there was just one last sort of like uh, one last account of like uh, there was a writer called uh, Melina de Fonseca Rourke, right? And wow. in her own book about herself was the story of Melina Rourke. I don't know anything about her really. Mm. Just another account on the list that yeah, I found. Yeah. And she described an incident where African babies were used by their fathers to lure crocodiles. And the crocodiles I think they were looking for were Nile crocodiles. God, they're big boys out there. They're big boys. The Nile and the saltwater crocodiles are the whoppers. I mean, really, really big. These are the sort of dinosaurs of the saltwater crocodile world. And she writes, In a few moments, though, the children who had previously been ignored became the centre of attention. They were suddenly scooped up from the ground and carried swiftly down to the riverbank in front of the screen where they were laid in the mud about 10 feet apart. So basically the kids had just been left to play until it's crocodile hunting time. Dad came and got everyone. All the little kids scooped all the kids up, laid them all down, right? And she says, to my unspeakable horror, I realised that those poor little children, they're using another word here, you know what I mean? There's a a racist term. Um, Would serve as live bait for the crocodiles. But you've got to remember, these fathers were hunting with spears. Oh, so it was, there was no sort of like, there was no rifles involved. They were waiting with a spear. But this is interesting because this shows that these were perhaps the people who taught the hunt other British, yeah. European hunters. Yeah. If you want to catch yourself a crocodile, this is how yeah, you do it. Yeah, ain't a clinky Yeah, thing, so it? although we are, you know, as Europeans, monsters for taking this, this sort of like practice to wherever we seem to go, or, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. for everywhere from the mid-1800s to right up to the sort of 1960s, <laughs> you know what I mean, hunting crocodiles seems to have involved little, little black babies terribly. But this is this is something that's that's been going on, you know. Oh, now you said you said yourself before, if something went horribly wrong, yeah. um, well, how could you live with it? How could you see it? Yeah. You know what I mean, terrible, terrible sight. White hunters weren't fussed one bit. Mm. It wasn't a, a scene of horror because they didn't see black people as having sort of like the same nervous system as us or being of any quality. It was just like, oh, lost that one, it, and. And it was actually the subject and novelty toys. Loads and loads and loads of novelty toys were made. Basically, referring to, there's a term known as gator bait. It's a, it's a, it's a term which is a racist term, oh. which nobody's. It's kind of fallen out of favour because of this. It's, it's yeah, kind of forgotten. Yeah, yeah, forgotten. Yeah, babies because they were just seen as black babies were seen as so unworth of little worth were referred to as gator bait. Oh wow, this is a whole world of shit. Yeah, it's a world of shit, and you could buy in sort of like the early part of the of the twentieth century, you could buy loads of little toys, novelty toys, where you'd squeeze like an alligator's rubber alligator's belly. And a little black baby would pop out of its oh, mouth or something. Weird. There'd be little devices like toys, you know, all sort of things where there'd be a little black baby sat on a box and you wound something yeah, and all the gate would come out and snatch much. it. Yeah. There were songs, uh, funny, well, com- supposedly comedy oh, songs. Oh man, about. I didn't know it was that bad. I thought it was just in Congo. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> Wherever you get alligators and crocodiles, it's there. Yeah, the, that's it. The, it was just being sort of <sighs> seen wow. as something that would just, was just disposable. Done. Yeah, disposable. It's a bit disposable. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah this, this is something, yeah. And, and if something happened, to the baby, uh, the the upside was that they wouldn't have to feed it anymore yeah, because yeah, people were so starving and hungry yeah, and, and things. Yeah, and it was just seen as sort of like oh, Easy well, cash. Like, yeah, awful, awful business. Go on, little fat but baby. this this racist slur, right? 
it's an awful t well, it's, a, it's a term which is sort of almost seen uh, in weirdly enough almost seen as a comedy phrase now I, I don't usually say stuff like this but I'm yeah. going to use this one phrase right oh my god don't but, yeah, for, for a simple reason the term that, that is used here and uh, time and time again is a term called picking in it right now this isn't a term I obviously use in common parlance or anything like yeah. that. You know, I'm like going to repeat because yeah, I don't yeah, understand no, it. No, this is, I, I also do not know the origins of the term, although it is a reference used in the 1900s and before, using reference to sort of like a, a native African natives, right, uh, uh, or native of the African continents. You know, and and somebody who has used this term recently, recently is Boris Johnson. Oh Ex-Prime Minister of Great Britain, he referred in one of his uh, one of his newspaper columns there, talking about one of his visits to Africa, or like a royal visit oh to Africa, and he was talking about the, uh, and I quote him, or uh, uh, you know, I, I, he said something like, the, the, the dancing pickaninnies with their watermelon smiles. Oh my god, he said that? This is the That's how out of touch he is. That's how to out, this is a man who wants to be Prime Minister of Great Britain again. I don't, does he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's up, he's up for it again. He's already been sticking his oar in. Oh. And this is this is a man who um, is already t the new Northern Ireland agreement, which he's meant to be going through at the moment. You know, I mean, he stuck his oar and said, "Don't, don't, don't make some fresh agreement. I've already decided how things are going to be." He's already oh, jetted God. himself off over to the Ukraine to sort of like yeah, stick his yeah. oar in over there. He's he's interjecting himself in British politics time and time and time again because he thinks he knows best. He's this is a man dangerous. who's so out of touch. This is a man who's so out of touch. He's using this kind of phraseology and oh, thinks it's okay God. to use it. Yeah, he is just a monster. Yeah, this is it. You know what I mean? You can actually quite imagine him there, can't you, with a rifle and his yeah. little hunting outfit on Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Pop the little black baby down there. Yeah. The fat one, please. Yeah. Strip her off. Uh, yeah. Let's have the nice wriggling toes to yeah. tempt the crocodilians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the great white. Yeah. Oh my so there we have it. So from your little uh, little oh. tidbit from yeah. last week, we've got ourselves... That's a Pandora's box of horror, Arkid. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, that's Gee, it, yeah. Just to end on it, though, just imagine, right, I don't know why I always think they want to see a crocodile. Let's say you tied a crocodile up, you know what I mean, arms up, it's just like stood up, you know, like on a board or something. You know, it's belly. Yeah. Imagine giving it a little punch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? What sweet crocodile bellies? They look right kind of punchable. <laughs> a little punch at you guys. <laughs> a little think about it. Stood up, little pot belly. So you're there. saying, so you're saying, so if you tie it a crocodile to a board, yeah, and, lift, like, and its belly's quite pale, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. Lean it up against a wall or something. So you just like stood up a bit, little belly there, and that. Just <laughs> <laughs> <So> imagine that. <laughs> No? No. Oh, right, well, yeah, we just made that with it. The idea of punching wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> it's not belly. I don't want to pop my hurt here, or what? Or cracking face. <laughs> now I want to touch his teeth, or what? Knock out, out. You might need him. But I'll give his belly a right going over. <laughs> I don't know why. When we're not that far, we're all looking at the belly. The bellies are fucking massive and fat. They're horrible bellies. I want to punch one. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think we need a. Uh, I think we need.
think we need a little bit of a refresher. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a ballot cleanser. Yeah, I yeah, think that's exactly dark. what we're after. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it, yeah. Well, let's let's move away from the heart of darkness. Yes, please. <laughs> and let's move somewhere a little bit cosier. How about a nice Somerset cider orchard? That's nice. I like Somerset with that. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's funny stuff is cider though. You know, you got... not a massive fan. Are you not? No, no. Sometimes I can be. It makes me go a bit wonky. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to be careful. It's like, you know, as, as, as a... Well, somebody who... Uh, he said to me as well, somebody did like cider. Uh, a friend of ours who has now died. Oh, right. <laughs> he always used to say... He always used to tip me the wink and say, Hey, somebody said to me once, he says, You never see an old cider drinker, do you? Shit. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, he was actually secretly drinking cider. He died at 53. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. there you go. He was right. <laughs> but he should have taken his own advice yeah, if you ask me that. You don't see an old cider drink Ooh. because it's, it's funny stuff is cider. Mm. You know, they always used to say, didn't they, about like um, the new like when a, a cider was right. There was a, there was a, a, a like an old wives' tale that you threw a dead rat into the vat. Right. And once the rat had fully dissolved, you knew the cider was ready. Uh, they used to do that. <laughs> I don't think they did use to do it, but I've heard this oh quite a few God, times. That's disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely rank, oh isn't it? <laughs> but when I when I worked at uh, when I worked at a brewery, it was the I'd said before there, you know, because we opened a tap room there. And I said, look, we've got this great beer and everything like that. I said, but yeah. beer isn't for everyone. You yeah, know, we, we, need, yeah. we need some other drinks as well, otherwise people... Because we're running it as a shop during lockdown. We're running it as a shop for yeah, us legally. Give them choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so people come in and go, yeah, have you got any cider? And I said, no, we don't. But So I said, look, we need to get some. And my boss at the time was sort of saying, he sort of said, he said ooh... Well, we've got to be careful with cider. Cider people are weird. Wow! Said, yeah. Why? He says, says, all the times I've run shops or anything like that, he says, I've never had to pay for cider. He says, they send you it, but they don't charge you for it. I said, what? Says, yeah, yeah, you watch, right? So, anyway, next thing you know, he's sending off some cider. You know, all this cider arrived in boxes, cans and bowls, all this amazing looking cider. No invoices. What the hell? Yeah. Just because it's cider, people are wonky. They're all a bit odd. Cider drinkers, mate. Oh. They're all a bit wrong in head. Yeah, yeah big red noses and all that, don't you? Yeah, you've got to be cider. Cider will have you if you're not oh, careful. You've got God, to I'm glad I don't like it. Yeah, but this is about a Sunset Cider Orchard, right? And it's owned by somebody you might like. All right. Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm up and down with him, up and down. He's a good Sherlock. He was a good Sherlock till the last two series. God almighty, what happened there? (laughs) What the hell happened there? Absolutely pissed on it, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a shame. So he does seem like a nice kid, actually. Yeah, like yeah, that's it. it. So he's like, a, but this is from Somerset Live by Thomas Malloy. And he says, Benedict Cumberbatch has been warned to beware of evil spirits at his new Somerset Cider Orchard. Right? Wow. He's saying, like, it, it, apparently it's an £8.1 million home in Somerset. How much? £8.1 Wow, what do you get for that? An orchard. A big <laughs> house, but... 355 acres of land and an orchard, right? But the locals are saying you have to be very, very, very careful. These lands are haunted lands. Wow. And he has to take precautions. Mmm, that is juicy. So this is Somerset. What sort of precautions do you think you have to take over in those sort of lands, right, to get rid of e- ward off evil spirits? I'm gonna, I don't know why he was Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah, he was Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes retired there to be a bee farmer. I'm going to say beehives. 
<laughs> I'd prefer if it was. It's only fucking Morris dancers. Oh! Not a fan. I'm not a fan. I love the maple and I love all that sort of stuff. When I see Morris dancers... Well, we, 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 we like the idea of like the, the um, Wicker Man sort of yeah, style yeah. of stuff. You Absolutely, know what I mean? yeah. yeah. They're the real deal. Yeah, <laughs> nudie witches jumping yeah. over fires. All that kind of Wiccan stuff like that, you know. And I quite like some of the, the, the stranger parades that you yeah, get in yeah. like these things. But... Morris men. Mm. All women. I saw a right oh. annoying group about a year ago at Whitby and I was just, when you're looking at I was like, give it up, will you? There's something, I mean, I can understand some of the, some, some of the traditions that are following, you know, they're also, you know, we have to go out and do these sort of actions and what mm. the scenes like, apparently like things like uh, reciting incantations, the firing of guns, dancing and singing to the trees promotes a good harvest and wards off evil spirits something i can understand that's yeah, absolutely yeah. fine you but there's something about morris dancers yeah. that have made it their own in the worst kind of way <laughs> it's like they've hijacked all the fun stuff and they've strapped a lot of bells to themselves and it's all made up of shit once again is it it looks like even outfit you're thinking that traditional that's just stupid i've looked into it right and a lot of them say oh these traditions go back centuries yeah yeah, yeah. Two centuries, you know, <laughs> which is or still a long time. No, it's not long enough. Yeah, yeah, it's got nothing. Look, if to it's do going with the back past, two thousand years, yes, yeah, I'm having yeah, it. You know, yeah, what yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that tradition. That's fine. You yeah. know, what I mean, um, there's, there's a great one uh, of a lot of these traditions, older, much older traditions of dressing up in a way called guising. Yeah. Which is the uh, uh, origins of things like uh, Halloween. Yeah, you, you, you've we said have, this, this and they come before, around yeah. the houses, don't the guys? In, like, yeah, for a lot more mysterious, a lot older, a lot stranger. Yeah. Uh, that's the sort of thing that I like. Yeah. Uh, there's something very sort of safe about your Morris man. Your, your average tankardier. Yeah. There he goes, he's got a big pot belly, loves his ale and yeah. stuff. He's got his little fucking. You won't buy a laptop off him, would you? <laughs> 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 you want a free tablet? I'm alright, mate. Yeah, you won't know that. He's a fucking new t- I'm alright. Well, yes. you're only six months. Six months too long, mate. Yeah, search history is all off the shop, you know what I mean? Yeah, there is it, the reek of wrong and don't they? They like, do, they really do. About the wit- there's a rum whiff about them. <laughs> Which I just don't. Mm. And it is his instinct. Yes. I've, I've yeah. no evidence that they've been yeah, doing any yeah. wrongdoing. But you're right, it is instinct though. When I saw him at Whitby that day, I, you know, like vampiric seeing a cross or something, like, like yeah. you know, I want to cross the road away it's from him. And, and it's also where they go on about beer. It's like, a, so it's not like, oh, we did the old, uh, we did the old Morris dancing up the highest street as mm. usual. And I might say we did. <laughs> We did partake in a few of the local brooms. It is, isn't it? Are you a member? Is it camera or something yeah, like that? They're yeah. all wrong and oh. all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a whiff of this beer. It's a whiff of. It's a whiff of nonce. <laughs> <laughs> You stink of it, mate. <laughs> yeah. No evidence of not going on anything. In particular, it just reeks of nonce. Yeah. Police! <laughs> and that's the thing, there's something about it which just isn't right. Mm, definitely. It's incest. Has, <laughs> has Cucumber snatched, has he, has he got it in these families? Has he brought the Morris men over? Or? Well, it sounds like there's not an awful lot come back from ben- uh, Benedict Cumberpatch himself. <laughs> He's not saying an awful lot on the subject. Yeah. The Morris men are. Oh, they want to invite themselves round. They want to do all the fucking gunfiring, dancing yeah. around, hey nonny nom, yeah. wagging around fucking sticks and hankies. Mm. You know what I mean? All that kind of bullshit. And I do say that bullshit. <laughs> right? They want to do all that, you know, and they're all saying, you know, to get a good sound. And to be fair, 
I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch gives a rolling fuck at a flying yeah, donut, really. really. He doesn't care yeah, how yeah. much his cider orchard makes because he just bought a house for 8.1 million. He, and he's more thinking, just leave me alone, you weird locals. I yeah, don't want get out of my fucking orchard yeah. or I'll set the dogs on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So he's like, no, keep. I would say, I'd go, I'd go as far as to say, keep. Morris men out of your orchard. Is <laughs> it out of Europe? <laughs> wow! Where the can they go? <laughs> well, this is the thing when people talk about British culture and look about traditions and things like this, mm. all these different cultures. They all look at all these different dances and places from all over the place and it's wonderful traditions. People always say, well, where are the British traditions? Where's yeah. ours? And then they turn to Morris men, right? And I, I, I cast an eye over them mm. and I keep moving on. Yeah, Not absolutely. bothered. Let's yeah, keep yeah. moving on for something different because Morris Men, no thank you. <laughs> We're taking a little sort of wander off the stories and stuff. We're going to do a quick book reviews. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, it's only a couple of them, but um, but it's a book which I, I think I put you onto it originally. Is it, the what's he called? The demon one or something? All the devils? All, all the devils are oh, here. Oh, yes. Yeah. My God. You put me onto it, yeah, then I read it and that yeah. you'd never finished it, did you? Somewhere? Is that right? I, only, I only started the first chapter and I, in fact the first chapter is quite hard going. Mm, yes, it's an hard one to get into, even first quarter, but yeah. then it just suddenly uh, picks up pace after a yeah. quarter. Away. And it's basically, it's a book called All the Devils Are Here by David Seabrook. And um, I've had it on my bookshelf for years and years and years. And like I say, I just had a little chipping on the first sort of chapter or so, something like that. And it was a bit like, oh, it's a bit peculiar, a bit yeah. odd, you know. But my God, does it get dark and weird. <laughs> it accelerates. I've never known a yeah. pace how, how fast it accelerates. Accelerates downwards. Yes, to the gutter. And yeah. then beneath the gutter. The gutter's gutter. But where you thought the gutter was... Then you discover, oh, there's something under the gutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's vile and it's horrible. Yeah, it's vile <laughs> and it's horrible, but compulsive reading. Oh, mate. I listened to a podcast about it once, just a one-off. Oh, really? Three, yeah, three people together in a room just talking about it, and all of them were saying the same thing. You get a very uneasy feeling like he's wrote it for you. There's certain bits in it that you pull out oh. and think, oh, God, yeah, I've thought about that before. Was I've it that, that book podcast? I forgot what it's called. Um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the book podcast Two now. Two Blocks and a Lass, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think it's yeah, the same yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, it re really good. And I listened to that before I actually read the book, you know what I mean? I I think that's what actually put me on to the book. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where I got it from, yeah. But the, obviously, they didn't go to the end quarter of it, you know. Yeah. Just, but they said, once you finish it, you just want to kind of pick it up and think, what the fuck have I just read? Yeah. I need to read it again. You know, it's, it's, it was That's really what I felt about it because I was almost rushing through the book because I thought, well, yeah, I'm enjoying this. It's okay, but it's a bit dark and a little bit unsettling in places. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, towards the end, I didn't want to finish it. It was yeah. like, you know, I wanted to read it. I was reading it at weird times. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I always put it down and I, I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it changes your life that ending and it's one of those books when it's the last page the last few sentences and it just turns yeah. your whole world upside down you need down. to read the book yeah. to appreciate the last few pages absolutely yeah, yeah. you won't yeah. be able to just skim to end and it. there's also so many details within the book that I've picked up on and I just sort of thought uh, 
that is just just mental. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. It, I really enjoyed it. So we'll, we'll let you. Unfortunately, I think the writer only wrote two books. Yeah. And I think he wrote one. I can't remember what, which one, one was on. It was a very odd subject. It were um, Jack the Stripper. He wanted to do a further. Oh, he wanted to do one, yeah, yeah Freddie yeah. Mills. Oh, but yeah, they yeah. say that he could have been murdered because he was getting too deep into yeah, that. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. There's, a, there's yeah. a thing that he didn't die. Didn't, he died a natural cause. Yeah. Some kind of thing he died of. But they say that he could have been murdered. I'll have a look into that yeah. further, further on. But I think he had two books, and he was he's was well renowned or well sort of respected writer. But for only having two books under his belt, but being sort of rated is yeah. a weird sort of thing. Yeah, so, really. yeah. so give yourself a little odd treat, buy yourself one. And I always think as well, if somebody's alive, buy it new because so, yeah. they get some money from it. Yeah. But um, if they're not alive, feel free to just get it off eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got mine up there. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I kind of think about things. Is like you know, it's it, always if they're if they're alive, buy it new because yeah, they get yeah. a bit of money. You know what I mean? But as the poor chaps passed away, then you know, get it get, cheap. <laughs> grab yourself a copy wherever you can and see what you think about. It. And if you did enjoy it, let us know. Yeah, yeah. please get in touch when you've finished it because yeah. it is it's this life changing. <laughs> and another thing, I'm gonna I'm. I, I'm going to come out in the defence of something at the moment because I've been having a hankering for the first time in perhaps decades. And I've been looking for some science fiction. All right. You know, I'm yeah. not I'm not a massive fan of science fiction, and yeah. and and for years I've been wondering why I am not a massive fan of science fiction, right? Because I love I love the subject matter, if you see what I mean. I love the absolute escapism of science fiction. Yeah, uh, I've not read it really at all. Well, it's, it's amazing subject matter. It's great. It's like it's amazing flights of fancy, and there's been some amazing science fiction books out there. I've not read any amazing science fiction books for years, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's been, it's been almost like probing a you know like a wobbly tooth, which you can yeah. mess around, you can't leave it alone. Yeah. And like I read loads and loads of stuff, and I really enjoy it. But there's something I wanted: the utter escapism of science fiction. Yeah, fair play. Because. We all love science fiction films. Yeah, science yeah. fiction films are highly rated. I love Alien. I love Aliens. Yeah, I love yeah. like, I love Predator movies. Yeah. Blade Runner. Wow. Yeah, Blade Runner is <laughs> amazing. And this is what I was kind of thinking about. I'm thinking, and about this, all these amazing things we all love. Why aren't people reading more science fiction books when the majority of movies that people are enjoying are science fiction? Yeah, yeah. What's What's the thing? And I realise now what it is. The films are well made, but made they're actually. Created for kind of almost like a quick snack. Yeah, yeah. They're not there for something to. Apart from the, the second Blade Runner movie, to yeah. Blade Runner 2049, four something. and a half hours, whatever yeah. it is, mental <laughs> like that. That takes some focus. But um, I realise there's a lot of science fiction books when I've tried to get into them, I bought them, I started reading them. They're just fucking pulp novels. Yeah. They're badly written. And I'm going to go out and there say a lot of the science fiction that's out there is badly written. Yeah. Because they're not rated it's like good writers avoid it like the plague any mm. subject matter one of the ones uh, the exceptions I love Ian Banks I think he's a great writer yeah, yeah. he wrote things like The Crow Road and The Wasp Factory and things like this mm. he wrote amazing science fiction under the name Ian M. Banks right. he wasn't frightened to go there but uh, admittedly he did sort of change his name slightly to do it yeah, which yeah. I found oh that's interesting you know you change yeah. the name you what sort of pin your colours to the mast fully yeah. you know he changed his name ever so slightly so he had his science fiction books and his his, his ordinary fiction but I want to put out a book that has just come out, and it's called In Ascension by Martin McInnes. Right. And I've I've only just started it, and I'm already madly in love with the book. How did you come across it? Uh, it was it was reviewed in the Guardian. Right. I've, I've been looking for good science fiction yeah, for yeah. ages, just looking for it. I've bought quite a lot of books, 
bottom started and thought, well, this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And literally award-winning books as well. well right, I've yeah. bought award-winning science fiction and go, oh, this is amazing, this is great. But I thought, well, no, you've ruined that. That's, yeah. that's not, it's not brilliantly written. It's just too, I don't know, it's almost like written for kids yeah, somehow. Yeah. And I think that's a shame. This isn't. Wow. This is written beautifully, mm. deeply, and it's allowing things to just sort of develop and, and occur. Oh, what a well-written book is it? Oh, it's it well, so good. So, In Ascension by uh, by Martin McInnes, and I can't recommend it. I've already bought other of his books. Yeah, yeah. Immediately, and the old sci-fi is that just, did you delve you know, I don't know. Ones? All right, I've yeah. just bought some books. I thought <laughs> he's such a good writer, uh, and I'm really enjoying it so much. I tell you what, I can't wait for bedtime. Wow, to get you back know, into that it, world. It's, it's the only time that I read because I'm so busy during the day. Uh, the only time I actually say, right, okay, it's what I got to bed quite early. Now yeah, yeah. Because I just sort of I want to go to bed. Tucked up with your book. Yeah, So that's what I'm doing. So that's my little a tip for people out there. If you did like science fiction, a lot of people look down on it. But if you want a beautifully, amazingly well-written book, wow. which is already sort of like an amazing, like an arms around you kind of book, yeah, yeah. Uh, give that a go. And it is something you kind of park in your teens, you know. I did. I think quite a lot of other people do. You kind of get into science fiction when you're young, and then you just kind of grow out of it, feeling like it's. Well, uh, you're told it's immature. Yeah, you're told it's, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's this. What you need to do is read a bloody good biography of a footballer. Yeah. Fuck oh, that. Footballers that. are boring. <laughs> They're kicking a ball. That. Read something about yeah, that's yeah. been created, a created world. Um, because all fiction is a created world in a way. Yeah. You know, but science fiction is that step on. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe. Do you know what I need to do? Maybe I should write a science fiction book. You should, Arky. Yeah. Go for gold. Like I've got time to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Called Space Benny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've got a huge helmet. I, I, I got quite. <laughs> Space Benny from the future. Space Benny from the future. Right, I'll crack on with it now that I can. There you go. I need it to you. <laughs> Well then, kid, Chuffy Nora, you are joking again. Actually, though, I've had a satisfying course. I'm yeah, all right with it. I'm it's all been right. quite fun. Week. Again, we've been around all over the place, yeah, haven't we? Yeah. And we can't see you ashore. Yeah, <laughs> we rambled. Yeah, that's it. Oh, One thing did. I do, I do want to say while we're here, I just want to say a big hi, uh, a very, very old friend of mine called Rob. Who um, I've got back in touch with recently. All right. Yeah, and he's he's an avid School listener. Rob. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, up, Rob. Yeah. So uh, he's been an avid listener, and uh, I got back in touch after a lot of years. It was a real pleasure to go for a couple of cheeky beers. Oh, him. sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know he's been an avid listener. So hi, Rob. Yeah. Take care, pal. And um, <laughs> on that subject, we've got a rather strange little subject to cover. Something a bit cosy, nice. which another friend got in touch about. That's what's wow, put me in my head. Yeah, yeah. This is a mate called Jim. He sent me a yeah. message, and he's he's actually he's contributed ghost stories to this. Before, ah, yes, yeah, I do yeah, remember. Yeah. yeah. So he's contributed to this one before. He sent me a message, and it, you know, he thought, oh, this would be an interesting subject. I thought, come on, mate, you know I'm already all over it, like a cheap suit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is the subject of the. Um, of a darning tool that's been discovered. 
Right. And it's uh, it's about about a year long, so which is about sort of like eight nine inches long or yeah. something like this. Enough to so. go shoving up your. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, our kid. So this is a sixteen centimeter device, which took a lot of years. In nineteen ninety two, it was discovered, and it was dis thought to be like a darning tool, which is a technique for repairing fabric with needle and thread. Right. And yeah. Thought, you know, they've always just wound cotton or material around yeah. it. That's what work, you know. New. <laughs> they realise now that it's got a, a, a very pronounced rim and uh, and eye. <laughs> How big is it? Sixteen centimetre, half foot, six inch, something like that. Six inch. About six that's inch. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Not out of a job. <laughs> it was twenty-four inch. You're like, oh, all right. <laughs> but this is two thousand years old wow. is this thing and it was found at an ancient roman site that's where we're in northumberland right it's called uh, the the roman fort of vindolanda now if you think about it, it's been, been found at a roman fort where all yeah. the roman roman soldiers are <laughs> well, there's been a big old dildo found soldier boys well who knows? I mean, the the reality is that at these at these sites at these forts, there was lots of locals. There was yeah. lots, almost like camp followers. These these became these te these forts became like small towns in in yeah, and of yeah. themselves. You know, there was like women, men, everybody were there. Yeah. And there's a lot. Of, to be honest, the, the occupation went on for so long. A lot of the Roman soldiers there had never seen Rome. They'd never wow. been to Italy. They all spoke English. They were, for for want of a better thing, they were, were English people. They were English people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the way that the Romans did it so well. Although they appeared places, they didn't just come in and absolutely twat everybody. Yeah, if there was little resistance, they'd just arrive, they'd pitch up the fort, they'd go high, you'd put the plumbing in, yeah. build a road. Hearts, uh, is it Hearts and Minds? Is the new little one bit, yeah, say yeah, it, that's it, it, it seems yeah. like they got it really right with that. They got it right with that, yeah. yeah. They, Have they, a nice bath. Look yeah, that. that's it. And one yeah. of them um, where they all fight and stuff, one of them. Colosseum type thing. Yeah, where yeah. they all fight. <laughs> <laughs> in sand and that. Yeah. <laughs> With knives and forks. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I get. And and but that's that's the reality of it, is that you know these areas, everything was going off in those times, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, you know. But really the two thousand year old dildo, that's nothing. Mm. Nothing. What the first, the oldest one they ever found, right? Was twenty eight thousand years ago. Twenty eight thousand years ago. Twenty eight thousand years 28, ago. Twenty eight thousand. Wow. This was a team of researchers from the Two Bigger University in two thousand and five were, uh, were were exploring the famous Hulsfels Cave uh, near Ulm in Germany's Swabian Jura region. Right? And they so found a squirmy rooter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the best thing I like about it, right, was they found all these broken bits of like like a pottery, like yeah. a, like a, like a baked <laughs> earth material. Well, it's actually siltstone. It's called so it's carved stone. Yeah, yeah. And they're super excited because they found all these broken objects. Great, what we found was yeah, twenty eight thousand years old. Yeah. Put it all together. Oh, it's a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> that last bit on it. <laughs> right, and it was 20 centimetres long. So, so I'll say an inch, give me some inches, I can. Oh, right, so to inches, it's about eight inch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only three centimetres wide. So it's, oh, yeah, it's not, yeah. good, it's not thick it? as a wrist. Yeah, <laughs> 
But what they found with it is that the, the, uh, the, the object's distinctive form and etched rings around the top are a symbolic representation of, metal of male genitalia. Hmm. So it basically had the, the old uh, mushroom. But they said as well that the object was highly polished on the ends. Whoa, it'd been well, well used. used. So that does actually say that. Because I'm always thinking, is it a phallic symbol? And they haven't been doing that with it. How do we know it were like, used for that rather than just like a lucky charm? But you're saying it's all like worn down. It was the shape, the size, and where it was worn down. Ah, they're saying yeah. they're almost certain that this was a used item for Bloody that material. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. A, that's the thing, and that's sort of twenty-eight thousand years old. You yeah. know what I mean? They have quote-unquote quote, suspected dildos yeah. of forty thousand <gasps> years ago. Ladies, <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you You like? dirty mares. <laughs> you lucky cats. <laughs> <laughs> but there was sort of, but from for definite areas, um, from areas around the region of Pakistan right. and towards Turkey, these sort of areas, a Mesolithic site in Sweden, in Batala, Sweden, you know, a 4,000 to 6,000 year old definite dildo. Wow, so oh, what, the, a definite dildo. A definite one. You know, say, well, these are the ones it's 100% pack, 100% dildo. And <laughs> <laughs> they said it on packet. Yeah. Yeah. But as you can imagine with these things, it's like you said before, some of them are just like cock shaped objects, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And some of them could have been just like a prized item, which was so. Even seems quite funny. We yeah. we I think we we uh, we looked at the uh, when we we're looking at gnomes and things yes. and stuff like that. It, we, we were looking at one particular strange character, which was when you took its hood off. It was a penis underneath. Yeah. There was a, there was like a gnome or a a, a character there, yeah, in, like a Roman one. Yeah, there really was. Old, yeah, yeah, a really old character, and he was seen. This, it's almost like a Bacchanalian or a Bacchus kind of character yeah. was seen, and it was all very often associated with big cocks, hmm. things with big cocks, you know, and the worship of the phallus, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, a, so as I said before, Sweden, Metallo in Sweden, 4,000, 6,000 year old definite dildos of certain dildos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definite dildos. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Halle Lieberman's research, who's been looking at this, right, uh, indicates that double-ended dildos of history that extends back 13 to 19,000 wow. years. double-ended. Double-ended dildos. That is that's that's a game not, changer, isn't it? So our 2,000-year-old wooden one finding, wow. found in the Roman fort. Fucking God! Yeah, right it? amateur thing, yeah. <laughs> and I have actually seen a picture. I ain't got a picture with me at the moment of this. And it's a fucking detailed. This is double-ended dildo, yeah. <laughs> very, very detailed. Everything's there, veins of the lot, man. <laughs> and it's very polished, too. Wow, Very polished, you. yeah, that's it. So apparently dildos assume a prominent role in the Aristophanes' comedic play Lysistrata, right, from 411 BCE, so 411 wow. BCE, right? Yeah, yeah. In a bid to end the Peloponnesian War, Lysistrata instructs the women of the warring cities to refuse sexual favours to their husbands and lovers until the men negotiate peace. <laughs> And to prevent their own frustration, she instructed them to satisfy their needs in the meantime with the use of their eight fingered leather dildos. Eight fingered? Eight fingered. I don't know. A sort of. Oh, maybe the length of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Eight fingered. That's it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, sort of like, yeah, I don't know how it works. <laughs> leather, eight fingered leather dildos. I don't know how these work. So it's like a little leather fisticuff or something. No. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently the first literary appearance of the dildo may well outdate even ancient Greece. 
and the first reference is believed to take place in the Old Testament. Wow. Ezekiel 16:17. God reprimands the people of Jerusalem because they took the gold and silver that he has given them and made phallic images and fornicated with them. Oh. Now, if you remember, so when Moses sort of went up the up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he's up there for a long time, yeah, and I think yeah. it's one of those things. It's that funny, isn't it? <laughs> they go all that way. <laughs> <laughs> he goes up mountain for a little bit. He like, just turns his back for five exactly. minutes. <laughs> Have you ever seen Ten Commandments? That's a funny bit of filming. Yeah. That they're all just like, well, he's been an hour. Let's just make a massive <laughs> door or something. Yeah. Car. Well, what happened? What happened was, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was literally been wandering around the forest, wandering around the sort of like deserts for sort of like. Through the, lost, the Red Sea, you know yeah, what I mean? All that. Lost tribes of Israel. Yul <laughs> Brynner were after him, weren't they? Yeah, so, yeah it was actually, wasn't he? Is, 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 look at you with TV reference. That's all you've ever learned is TV. So it's like basically what happened. Yeah, they'd been wandering the desert for about 60 years or something yeah. mental like that, you know. They couldn't find the promised lands anywhere. Didn't know any manna from heaven was cast down yeah. for them to eat and all sorts of stuff. They eventually got to the, the, the mountain, I think Mount Sinai or wherever it was, yeah. and they knew that they the Ten Commandments are going to be at the top of this. <laughs> so Moses, all right, all right, I'm just nipping up the mountain, guys. You know, but I'm just going to go get the commandments. Nips on up there, you know what I mean? All the people then who got a bit bored, melted down all the jewellery, made a golden calf. Yeah. Now, they worship the golden calf, but the rumour was they added a little extra to the golden calf. Ah. And it was meant to be a large golden pizzle. Wow. Big cock on it, apparently, <laughs> right? You know, that's the rumour. And they were all sort of meant to be shagging this golden calf. Wow. Right? Anyway, of course, Moses comes back and Hi, guys! <laughs> Catches them yeah, yeah. out. Oh, get off it! And, and falls the coll- <laughs> commandments. You know, I mean, oh, we were cross as a wasp, we was. <laughs> cross as a wasp? <laughs> and that's when he cast them down, shattered them all, and stuff. Yeah. Like, and then they were then put in the tabernacle, or they put in the sort of like the thing for the uh, the, the ark of the covenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it was. So that was one of the first references of all time ever to a uh, a phallic image. So um, the original verb used to describe this fornication is zana which is often used in a metaphorical sense in the Hebrew Bible to refer worshipping other deities symbolically committing adultery against the God of Israel wow. so it was also it wasn't just a question of using a device or physically yeah, it's yeah. a metaphorical sexual worship of a yeah. uh, of another thing you know what I mean so it's like you know mm, a bit naughty you know? <laughs> 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 but ancient Rome is readily remembered as a place of surprising sexual liberality yeah, but it wasn't surprising it. to me I mean yeah. to me I think it's always been a place that's always been kind of like that you know yeah. what I mean it's uh, I mean they loved an orgy didn't they and stuff you know this is mean? it you know and, and but you 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 look anywhere you will see dildos cock shirt fallacies things yeah. like little winged fallacies so there's little flying cocks on the as, as a right. popular piece of sort of uh, graffiti in uh, Rome you know you'll uh, see little winged dicks going about <laughs> and stuff cool. like that which are quite good fun you know what I mean a lot of the time in um, a lot of the time you'd actually sort of see this in bedroom on walls and stuff right yeah. so you the, the the dick image was everywhere in sculpture it was in uh, in things but an actual dildo yeah this is the first one the wooden one wow that's the first one they've ever actually found so this wooden phallus means a lot in that sense yeah, yeah. you know so we we found Stone ones, we found wooden ones, leather ones. Yeah. We found all these things. Gold ones. Gold ones. <laughs> yeah, but the first time they've actually found one that we they can uh, refer back to 
as the, a genuine Roman sort of like relic yeah. is this wooden one found in England oh, that's fantastic relatively young as far as dildos are concerned <laughs> that kid. you know what I mean they haven't stopped making him yet <laughs> just don't fall on it guys <laughs> <laughs> well they actually weird enough they did say that a lot of the uh, phalluses found were even not always considered to be used by women right they were seen Potentially, as a, as an item of torture for men Ooh. to actually uh, humiliate or hurt wow. ma- male captors and things, yeah. shove something up their ass, kind oh of thing. Seen as something as a, as a humiliation. Yeah. So it wasn't just as a as a little bit of fun. Yeah. They had a you know double ended him. Always the one kid. Mm, <laughs> <it is. laughs> yeah. Saucy, saucy. Yeah, so I thought we'd leave on that little uh, little on bit. a dildo end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big red end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well lovely Archie. Yeah. I enjoyed that call well done yeah Skip. so that's it so what we need to do now is we need to get sort of Thor and uh, and uh, Robop yeah get it sat winchy machine oil yeah we, we can we can spread the love back there we can maybe sort of like you can order yourself a copy of that book because you're not borrowing my bloody copy of incense <laughs> and, yeah, I know what you're like but or actually you always drop a bit back <laughs> it's soggy doggy thank you Archie yeah. so and hopefully you too will uh, will uh, buy yourself a copy of that book or as well and uh, all the devils are here yeah fantastic you know I mean? Fantastic. So, and until the next episode, it's going to be a big bye-bye from Matt. It's a big bye-bye from Benny. Take care, guy. There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at Cove. Or Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!